of our past work. He gave us emotions for a reason. It's, it's hard sometimes to step up here. All that's uh, all that's already taken place so far in our corporate service, our corporate gathering, the words that have been shared. Jeremiah, you're sharing particularly. Oh. Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love to us, your mercy, your rich mercy. And you tell us most of all to enter your gates with thanksgiving. And that's what we are doing. We praise you. We praise you. And we ask and I ask as the speaker that this message, these words, hit the target that you want to hit. You, Father, who are supreme in all things, and Yeshua, you who are beside him at this moment. Steve's probably outside, Steve Hostetler, Brother Steve, but it is hard sometimes to stand up here. It really is. Because I say this again, as Brother Steve said last week, we realize when we step up here, don't we, Pastor Mark, this is his turf. This is his terrain. This is his lectern. It's not mine. It's not Brother Steve's. It's not Pastor Mark's. He gives it to us. And I'm always in awe of any of us that have this mission every week to give the word, the message, how he wants it to touch people. And you, you pray, you want it so badly to come out right. You want it to hit the proper target. The older I've gotten, and I'm an old man now, the older I've gotten, the more I want to be about him and Yeshua, the Father and Yeshua, not about me. Brother Mark Morgan and I, we, Brother Mark Morgan and I, we've already had church, haven't we, brother? Oh, I've got notes here again, and I'll use some of them, but I want to wing it in the spirit. I want to wing it in the Ruach, wing it in the sense that he implants every word that comes out of my mouth, every sentence, even if I go away from these notes somewhat. Moses was having a hard time. He was having a hard time. Can you picture this? He's there at the burning bush. And he's just been given a summons. He's just been given a command. He's just been given a mission. And oh my, Moses knows at least somewhat what he's looking at. He does not want to go back to Egypt, okay? He's been there. He does not want to go back. He does not want to face what he left. 40 years away from Egypt, and he's having a hard time, and you know the story. We don't have to repeat it, but he's struggling, and he's having this conversation with the creator, the eternal one of the universe, Yodei Bob Hay, okay? And it's, I mean, it's tough on him, but we know the story. Eventually, the father says, Moses, you are going, and Moses goes. You know the story. You know how it plays out. As we just heard in that song, Confidence, Moses is having a hard time. He was not looking forward to facing all those gods of Egypt, everyone. And it's like Charlton Heston said in the movie, The Ten Commandments, remember, he says, a man can't lead the Israelites out of Egypt. It would take a god. Well, it did take a god. It took Yahweh Elohim, the God of Israel, to lead them out. So if you have a mission like that, if, if some of you in here... If you think you want a mission like that, 
pray and fast about it. <laughs> because you're going to need the God to take you on that kind of mission. And this message is about chosen. Simple title, chosen. Chosen. Moses was chosen. As the song said, confidence, give me the confidence, give me the strength, give me the faith, give me the trust to go where you want me to go, to do what you want me to do, and to speak what you want me to speak. He sent you this week, Pastor Mark, to Cleveland, and Tammy with you, and Herman and Kathy and others, and you gave the word that he wanted you to give. And you know, after all this time, Pastor Mark, Brother Mark, I know you. You know me. You know, and I know that you know it's not about you. You know where your bread is buttered. I know where my bread is buttered. We all should know, had better know where our, quote, spiritual bread is buttered. It's in him, not in us. As I said, the older I've gotten, I hope that he has stripped Brother Jeremiah a lot of crud out of me over the years, and I know that he has. There was a time many years ago, decades ago, when I speak, and I probably still had too much self-pride in me, okay? I confess that, but not anymore. I simply want to represent him and his message and his work because all that other stuff is fleeting. It's fleeting. It means nothing. There are some things that comes with old age. <laughs> A certain acceptance of some things in shalom peace that he gives you and he gives us. But Moses was having a hard time, but we know he accomplished with flying colors his mission. Daniel, how easy do you think is a song confidence just expressed it? How easy do you think it would be for Daniel to go down with those lions all around him? Come on now, you know. We all are going to die at some point unless we're alive. He comes first. But that's not the way you want to leave this earth, is it? A bunch of hungry lions around you. Look what Daniel did. Chosen. That's the name of this message. The Father has came down to earth over the centuries. He has chosen person after person, men and women, to accomplish great things. He has called all kinds of individuals, men and women, we know Abraham. We know about King David. We know about Esther. We know about Deborah. We know about the 12 disciples that he called, the special men that he called. And they turned their world upside down with his message, not their message. They turned the world upside down. Then here comes the Apostle Paul who reached out to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles were told, you get to have the same things a natural-born Israelite gets. You get the same thing. You get the same glory. You get same, the same benefits. You get the same blessings. Our Father is good all the time. He leaves nobody out. He tore that petition wall down and allowed the Gentiles to come in. And they get the same things as an adopted son into that, grafted into that olive tree, this Israel's tree. They get the same benefits and blessings as a natural-born citizen gets of Israel. And that's the wonderful thing about, you know, as I'm speaking, you know, the only way I know how to phrase it is sometimes he just melts our hearts. And it's hard then to get up here and speak a little bit because of that. I could have gone on with some worship, some songs. By the way, look at those songs. The last song we sang was famous for, 
Tie that into the song confidence. Echo, how great, how great, you know, is our God, is our Elohim God. These songs all have a threat. And I didn't know, I didn't know famous war was going to precede, you know, that song confidence. But the Father works his will and his ways. He weaves everything together. He weaves everything together. As I said, Brother Mark, Morgan and I, we've had church already. I so appreciate some of the things, Brother Mark, again, you shared with me before services. It's powerful. It's good. And I think Brother Mark has got his own messages coming later. And hopefully as we talk, it's going to build, you know, build off from this one. Oh, but chosen. He has called many women down through the ages, and he has used them to turn the world upside down. Certainly, he's called secular uh, individuals, but he's called the spiritual individuals. Abraham, Noah, Paul, Paul, the, the 12 disciples, Esther, Deborah, on and on. You can't even call all the names today. He's also called them in the secular realm. There's two men that come to mind as I'm giving this message. Two men that come to mind more in the secular realm that we can pinpoint that I think need, that we need to take note of in a special way. Winston Churchill was not a guy behind the pulpit. He wasn't a spiritual figure. Now, he had a spiritual side to him, Winston Churchill did, but he was not behind the pulpit. He was not a spiritual leader. But the Father, the Eternal One, looked down and chose a man named Sir Winston Churchill to save Western civilization. That is an historical fact, and most historians worth their, quote, salt will agree to that. He didn't use a man behind the pulpit. He didn't use pastors. He didn't use prophets. He didn't use apostles. No, he used a man named Winston Churchill mainly mainly to save Western civilization. That's what historians credit church well. Lincoln, look at Abraham Lincoln. He was used to hold our nation together. I think we need to realize, and as I always say, that's something I look forward to lecturing on maybe later in the future as the Father gives me the green light and an open door. This nation had to reach a certain destiny. And Lincoln made sure he used a man named Abraham Lincoln to make sure this nation reached reach the destiny that he wanted to. Why? Most of all, to bless the nations, to bless the world, to be a servant nation, to be a lighthouse nation, okay? He used Abraham Lincoln. And boy, the guy, the man had issues. Did he ever have issues? There was a time or two in Abraham Lincoln's life because of his discouragement and depression that they hit knives from him. They hid anything from him. He was on a suicide watch. They had a suicide watch on Abraham Lincoln. He was messed up. You know, the Father's used some pretty messed up people throughout history to do his bidding, to do, carry his purpose, to carry his word, and to speak for him, and to work for him. Some pretty messed up people. So I think we're all in pretty good shape here. <laughs> hey, I'll admit I'm messed up some. Can I see your hands? Is all, are you messed up? If your hands don't go up, we'll pray for you and counsel with you after services, okay? We're messed up, but the Father loves us anyway. But guess what? As we're messed up, Brother Jeremiah, he works on us. He cleans the crud out, and he sets us on new ground, higher ground. He brings us to maturity, and he brings fruit out of our lives. We don't ever give up the fight. I speak about his love and his faithfulness and his mercy because I've lived it. As I've said in the past, you've lived it. Go back five years, 10 years, 15 years, where you was at one time, 30 years, where you were at one time. 
and look where you are now. You're not the same person you were five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And you won't be the same person if you have laugh in your lungs tomorrow, the next day, or next year. As you yield to him and ask for him to grow you and produce that fruit in your life, you won't be the same. That's why I speak so glowingly about his love and his faithfulness. I tell him all the time, the only way that I'm ever going to get to where you want me to be and to say what you want me to say and to do what you want me to do on a personal note is your faithfulness. I stand on your faithfulness only. I don't have the strength. As that song says, confidence, I don't have the confidence and the strength and the power to do certain things, and you don't either, but he does. A while back, there was a time in the past, there was a particular message I was going to give. And I hope you don't mind me calling your name again, Brother Jeremiah. It'll be called again before this message is over. I had some crud in my life, too, at the time. And I had to speak. I had to get up like this and face an audience. And I didn't feel worthy. I did not feel worthy. But what was my option? To let Satan win and not give the message, not fulfill my calling? So I stepped into it in faith and trust. But I heard a word. He gave me a word. He says, no, you are not worthy, but I am. I'll tell you what. When I got that kind of word, I was able to give that message with power and conviction because he was in me. and He was speaking that in me. We are not worthy. He is. On a very personal level, Pastor Mark, you are a good speaker. I'll tell you what, your wisdom, I tell people, I'm out front. You know, what you see is what you get. I've told more than one about you. Your wisdom is Bill Cloud pointed out the other night. Your wisdom experience speaks for itself. And we want to honor you in that because he's put that in you, and we realize that. I'm too old to mince my words anymore. And I don't believe, by the way, in flattery either. I say something up here, I'm not flattering because that's a sin in effect. So if I say something to any of you about anything, something like I said to Pastor Mark, I mean it from my heart. It's what he's allowed me to see, okay? Because we're not in, we're not called to flatter each other. Sometimes we're, fall, uh, we're called to confront each other in a loving way pretty strongly, you know? And some of us in this congregation are done with others. But then you know something, most of all, there's a time to keep putting our arms around each other and tell each other how much we love them. We're there for you. We're there to encourage you. Sharif, when I put my arm around you at the feast and told you the Father is very pleased with you, that was from the heart because I knew it. I knew it. He's pleased with us despite, quote, the crud and the junk in our lives because he knows where we will be tomorrow, not where we are today. As I told my friend Truman on the phone yesterday, we were having a very good spiritual conversation. Some of you may remember Truman. He's been here a couple of times. He's become a dear friend and brother to me. I said, I don't care. And we both agreed. I don't care what you did yesterday. I only care about what you do today and tomorrow. Today, yesterday cannot be retrieved. Take encouragement in that, everyone. It's what we do today. It's what we do tomorrow. But he's called many, many, many women throughout time to do his work for him, to speak for him, to represent him, to go on missions for him. You know, I want you to think about something. 
Moses knew he was about to go back to Egypt and face all those Egyptian gods, and he was not looking forward to that. Okay? He was not looking forward to facing Pharaoh. When former President Trump, Donald J. Trump, went to Washington, D.C. as our newly elected president four or five years ago, I want to tell you something. He was about to face the gods of Washington, D.C. They have gods there. They've got that territory staked out. Strong, powerful, demonic princes have what we call the swamp. They have that area staked out. If you want to talk to me later about some of this stuff in private, I'll be glad to engage you. And I'll tell you why I say this and the truth that's in me about this issue, what he has shown me over the years. They've got that territory staked out. And when you come up against it, you become the bullseye target for them. And Mr. Trump found that out big time. And he's not ignorant on the spiritual side, by the way. He's got a group of spiritual advisors that surround him, and they know this. They were trying to take the turf away from those strong demonic princes, and they don't like it, and they're going to fight for every inch of that turf. So when he chooses us, he calls us, and we're chosen. Get ready. This is not to alarm you in any way, but we need to have our eyes open and be sober because he's like a lion that walks around trying to devour whoever he can. He's going to come after us. We have the bullseye target on us, in essence, the adversary does not want you to be called and chosen. He does not want us to produce fruit. He wants to take that away from us. So he's going to come after us. And they came after, they came after former President Trump because they've staked that territory out. And they do not want you, when they bring darkness to an entity, to a place, to a person, they don't want that light to come back in. They don't want light. Light kills them. They don't like that. So I, I want to remind us that even on the national scene right now, what's going on in Washington, D.C. Powerful beings, and the Father's allowed that for a reason in this time, okay? But they've staked it out. And so if you come up against that, if he gives you a certain mission, is it any wonder when we talk every year about Jonah, is it any wonder that Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh? Which I want to say a show of hands of anyone here that would like to go to Nineveh. Mine's not going up, right, Brother Keith? No. Now, if he asks me to, if he asks you to, okay, yes, in obedience and a lot of prayer and fasting, you know, you will go. I will go, okay? You get the point. But these are not missions or jobs or callings that one wants to do. Can you imagine today, hypothetically, what if he picked one of us, hypothetically, and said, I am sending you to the swamp as strictly a spiritual voice. And you're going to testify to the Supreme Court for Yahweh. You're going to testify to Congress. You're going to testify in the Oval Office. And you're going to say things like Ahab when Elijah walked in and says, you're the one troubling Israel. And Elijah says, no, not me. You, Ahab, are the one troubling Israel. And you're going to pay a price for it. How would you like that job if he asked you to do that, everyone? As I just told you, President Trump, former Trump, President Trump found out it's not an easy mission to go and challenge their gods. As Moses knew that when he was asked to go over to Egypt, he knew what he was facing. It's not an easy job. 
our founding fathers, they've taken a lot of bad ink, and they're continuing to take a lot of bad ink. When we talk in terms of chosen, being chosen by someone, our founding fathers from Washington, Jefferson, Adams, Franklin, and so many more, Dr. Benjamin Rush, that was a special, special group of men, very special group of man, men. And the Eternal Father chose those men to put this nation on the kind of foundation that would benefit and bless the whole world. Did Abraham not say, and was he not told, you will bless the nations, okay? He chose a select group of men, flaws and all, junk in the lives and all, some of them slave owners and all, all that junk, they had junk in their life, things that weren't right, okay? But overall, he chose a group of men that were quite a group of men. If, if those of you who have taken the time to really study, really study in depth those men, what they stood for, what they believed in, chosen a special group of men. Do you know where I want to turn this message for the time I have left is more on a personal note, more about us corporately here, those who are watching online, wherever you're at. I want to turn it in a certain direction and make this more personal make it more corporate about this. I could speak all day long. As any message you give, you could take this message in a lot of different directions. As you say, Pastor Mark, a lot of different rabbit trails, subplots, whatever could come out of this message. But I want to turn it in a certain direction and make it personal to us, personalize it to us individually and collectively as our group here and those who are watching online. And all you Michigan bunch, Dennis, Jody, all of you, Johnny, Sally, everybody, anybody that's watching, we say hello to you. For those of us who have watched the series, The Chosen, there's this moving scene when Yeshua calls Peter. They've just called all those fish. There's a, there's a miracle that has taken place, and that boat is full of fish. For those of you who have watched the scene on The Chosen, that boat is full of fish when they put the net down, and they haul in this vast amount uh, of fish in the net. And Peter realizes that, yeah, this man on the shore there who has been teaching, that being Yeshua, is special. He must be like the Son of God or whatever. And the scene is so moving when Peter gets out of the boat and he sinks to his knees on the beach and Yeshua standing above him. And Peter starts trying to tell Yeshua, you don't know what kind of person I am. You don't know what kind of man I am. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've said. And my faith is not what it should have been. I love that scene, and it speaks to all of us when Yeshua looks down at him and says, Lift your head, fisherman. Lift your head up, 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 everyone. If your head is down, lift up your head, fisherman. Lift up your head, everyone, because you have the power of the universe beside you. And, in fact, he's lifting your head up. He's telling us, I know who you are, Peter. I know what you've done. I know what you've said, but I see what you're going to do. I see what you're going to be. Powerful concept. Lift up your head, fishman. Lift up your head, everyone, because he's got a mission for you. He's got a mission for us. He's got a mission for each one of us and all of us collectively. And you're right. I'll quote you again, Pastor Mark. It is a body ministry. And I know, listen, your message in Cleveland and what you said today even, 
we are faced, being very open and honest and blunt here, we are, as you said in Cleveland, we are going to be challenged how we coordinate this five-fold ministry because true apostles have got to show up. True prophets have got to show up. We already have the pastors in place. We have the teachers and evangelists. But I think we'll all agree, where's the true apostle that you can point to right now? If he walked in those doors and he gave a certain message here, he would carry a certain ring of authority from the Father. Our true prophet, as we've talked, they've got to be allowed to operate. That means they've got to be allowed. We've got to figure out how do we process this and how do we make this work in the kind of a card and unity that the Father desires. It's like any other challenge in life. It's a challenge, but he will lead us into it a step at a time, a step at a time, little by little. But we do face that challenge, and it is important that we learn how not to get, as we've talked over the years here, we learn not to get in the way of each other. Kathy and Herman, Kathy, I told you I'd call you out. I don't run that H HRN studio TV network. You and Herman have that. He gave that to y'all. He chose y'all. We're talking about chosen. We're all chosen in here for different missions, different works, but we're part of the body ministry. He chose y'all to oversee that TV. He chose y'all particularly, and it's yours. He's entrusted that with you and Herman, Kathy, until he decides to maybe someone else or whatever. We know how that works. There may come a time, as Pastor Mark here, before him was Pastor Bill Goff, you know, the Father knows when to move us in and out positions and callings or, or missions or whatever it does in the everyone. And, and Pastor Mark, I was thinking about this last night as I put the message together. Um, we've talked about this in the past. I thought of that scripture in Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 3, where the Apostle Paul phrased it very well. He says, you know, does it matter if I'm the one that planted and then Apollos comes along and waters? Does it really matter who plants or who waters? You get the fruit because the Father and Yeshua is bringing the fruit through the two different men. One has the mission of planting. Bill Goff had the mission of planting, but you've got the mission of watering and bringing more fruit out that Pastor Bill never was called to do, chosen to do. And we, are, we understand that. We recognize that. The Father makes delineations in these things and these matters, and we have to trust it. I love what you said. Quoting you again, Pastor Mark, <clears throat> up in Cleveland the other night. <laughs> I don't have a telephone call. I don't have his number either from the standpoint. We don't have, we don't know. Every time we turn around in life, we're having to trust, trust, trust. I think Bill ended the other night by saying, trust him, trust him, trust him. Every time we turn around, we're having to trust him about something. Our flesh does not like that. I don't have the kind of telephone number like you said that I can dial in and find out exactly what's going on or why this has happened or why this has not happened. I don't know. Man, it's like, yeah, we walk in the dark at times. That's the way it's supposed to be. When they unload those Marines for basic training at Paris Island in South Carolina and California, they, they completely disorient those Marines, those new recruits, for a reason. If any of you in here has been Marines or Marines, the training you go through, you understand that. It's intentional to disorient them in darkness. 
to rebuild them, to remake them. Mm. Mm. You know, I said that he's used some pretty messed up people to do his work and to carry his word and to carry his missions forth. You can read in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1.26, he plainly says, I did not call the wise, but I called the foolish. I chose the foolish to confound the wise. I chose the foolish things to show myself, mainly if you read the following verses, to show myself mighty, to show myself great. He chose us as foolish, the foolish of the world, you know. Now, it's not like that we don't have any talents or abilities. That's not what he's saying in this passage. But do you see any presidents in here? Do you see any U.S. senators? Do you see any of this or that, movie stars in here or whatever? Men and women are renowned according to the world standards. You don't see that, do you? Is anybody in here a state senator? Now, they can be, yes. You know what I'm saying. But plying off this passage, what he's saying is he's going to take sometimes the weakest elements that the society will laugh at and scorn and make them great because he's made them great. He made King David great. He made Abraham great. He made those 12 disciples great. He made the apostle Paul great. The apostle Paul was out killing, killing true disciples. <laughs> you know the story there. And by the way, it's like Dr. John Gar said one time. He says, do you want the calling of the apostle Paul? He says, then get ready to suffer. You want that call? As I said a while ago, do you want to go to Washington, D.C. and face every single entity, every single entity of this nation? You read in Jeremiah, the first chapter, that's what Jeremiah had to do. He had to face every single entity of that Ju Judah culture, and they were out to cut his head off. He only survived because the Father protected him at that time. He still got thrown in the Maori pit, remember, mud up to his armpits or whatever. Do you want that job? Do we want that job? Well, there again, if he calls you for that, we understand he will equip you, and you walk like Moses or Joan or whoever, you will fulfill it. But the apostle Paul was told, but Ananias was sent to him to say, you're going to have a ministry of suffering. Do you want a ministry of suffering? Then desire to be an apostle. Then desire to be a prophet, a true prophet. I believe with all my heart, this is my personal opinion, food for thought, I believe with all my heart that they're just around the corner. How many, I don't know. And their mission is going to look about like it did in the old days with Elijah and Jeremiah and Zechariah and Isaiah and all of them. There again, you want to be a true prophet? Then climbing a log, try to get away from your enemies. Climbing a log, and they saw you in two while you're in the log. Supposedly, that's how Isaiah the prophet died, according to legend. You want that mission? There again. They cause the foolish things. He caused the foolish things to shame the wise. And he sees things in us sometimes that we don't see in ourselves. Brother Mark Morgan, as you and I were talking, I cannot emphasize this enough to encourage all of us. Yes, work on, as we know, work on, let him work on the junk in our lives. Sure, we all agree to that. And the junk does eventually get cleaned out as you stay with him. Stay in his face. Stay in, 
stay in FaceTime with him. Put the phone down for a while, some. Put, turn the TV knob off for a while. It's okay to watch some TV. It's okay to have your phone. I have one too. But most of all, it's time to get FaceTime with him. If you're not hearing from him in the night, as was pointed out, when things get quiet and he wants to talk to you, if you're not hearing from him, who's to blame? If you're not, if, if a brother or sister comes up so excited and says, oh, guess what the father told me last night, or guess what he told me this morning, and you're standing there, you might not say nothing, you're thinking, well, I don't get that kind of word. Well, it could just be, and it could just be, it's because you're not spending FaceTime with him. Because if you spend FaceTime with him and you chase after him like Tommy Tenney said, those God chaser books that he wrote years ago, you will catch him and you will, you will be amazed at what he may speak to you. It may be like divine chatter at times. But you've got to want him. You've got to want him. You've got to desire him. We'll keep this to you rated, I agree, Pastor Mark. But he wants a hot spiritual lever, okay? He does not want a lukewarm, turned-off spiritual lever, as Revelation says. In fact, he says, if I've got that, I'll just spew you out. I'll spew you out. When Brother Mark sounded that shofar for a reason, we were in unison on that to sound that shofar. Moses heard the shofar blast of the father there at the bush. He heard Yahweh's shofar blast commanding his voice and spirit. That shofar blast is designed is to awaken a people, awaken a people to what he's doing in this time and age, everyone. It's to awaken us. It's to awaken us. But as I said, I wanted to allude again to your dad, Tammy, Pastor Bill. Bill was not the one chosen. I'm really emphasizing chosen. He wasn't the one chosen to do a lot of the watering. He did some watering. He mainly was the planter. Nothing wrong with that. We need planters, and then we need those who come in and water more. Maybe more fruit comes out in a later time. And the Father's got every bit of us. And that's another thing. Each one of us have to be satisfied with our individual callings. I'm not gifted. And I, can't, I love music. Songs and music is such a powerful medium in our lives. And I really, this is sudden sincerity, no flattery. My wife knows this. I can't sing like Sandra. I don't have her vocals. <laughs> if I started singing, there's one exit door right there. Well, if you want to count these two right here, three exit doors, you probably want to hit those exit doors, okay? I'm not a singer. That's not my calling. That's not the lane I run in. And so I really, I always admire different ones of you, BJ and all you in the band that can sing. Cole, all of you. I mean, I, 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 I like and admire that, okay? I can't do that. I can't do that. Um, I can't speak Hebrew right now, Brother Tom, like you can. <laughs> I can't do that. I did have a guy prophesy to me years ago. He says, you'll one day find yourself really, really, really studying and absorbed in the Hebrew language. And I am to a degree, you know. I mean, I, I know the value of that language. I'm just taking a sidetrack here to show that, Brother Tom, that is one of your giftings. And I remember that prophecy. I'm calling you out here right now. There was a prophecy given to you in April of 2011, Brother Tom, that your voice would remain strong for years. Well, now we're 10 years later, and your voice is still strong. I remember that prophecy, April of 2011, and your voice is still strong. 
Age, Kathy, Herman, we were talking about this last week at Oneg. We can't get away with age. We, we cannot, Sarah and Abraham tried it, can't get away with it. Jeremiah tried it from the opposite direction. I'm too young. I'm just a child. I know how old you are, old Jeremiah. You can't get away. You can't use age. I tried it a time or two, and sometimes still when I want to go there, you wait till I'm worn out, and maybe you want me to do this. I'm worn out already, Father. I can't go there. Tammy, you read my clock one time in your kitchen one Friday night years ago. You looked at me, and you said, Terry, you can't get away with age. I said, I know that. I mean, we can't get away with age even. Pastor Mark of the Feast, listen, let me tell you something. Any of you that speak here, don't ever think that you leave a word trail that we don't remember what messages say. And we go home, we should, and we remember messages, we remember words. And you said at the feast, you went to Hebrews, when the Father of all creation promises you something, he is going to do it. Can I see, a, I'm just curious, can I see a show of hands, a little audience participation, classroom participation, can I see a show of hands of all in here who feel like or pretty much know they've gotten a certain word from the Lord over the years, a promise? Just, I would say a lot of hands. You've been told things. You've been given certain promises, be it about whatever. Well, maybe it's not come to pass yet, but get ready. As Pastor Mark said at the feast, Hebrews, what he has promised, he will do. And when he says, especially, I'm coming again, and I'm coming soon, yes, he's going to do it. But if he's told you something, quote, Brother Bill Cloud, again, I love that word he gave years ago, the power of the promise. Oh, that was a powerful message that he spoke, the power of the promise. If he's told you something, he's going to do it. We're chosen. You know, there's a, there's a passage in Psalms 102, verse 18. It speaks of the, basically it speaks of a certain generation, but if you read it, if you go to the Hebrew, the passage is the last days, Yom Akaron, Mr. Tom. It's the last days, Psalms 102, verse 18. There will come a time, and there will come a point in time where the Father will raise up, it says in that passage, a generation that will praise Him and worship Him, okay? It's in the last days. Everyone, we are looking at that. We are there. We are that generation that's been raised up to praise Him, to extol Him, and to carry His name, His work, His message, His mission to the nations. I hope you will permit me to say this again. Some of you may get a little tired of me saying this. That's okay. I can handle that if you do. But I know what I know, and I'm not the only one that knows what I'm about to say. Some of you in this audience I've talked to and others around the country have gotten the same word. He's starting to let his children know. Again, I say he's coming soon. I got it yet again the other morning. He's telling us this for a reason, to prepare us, to prepare us to get the junk out of our lives, to clean the crud out, let him clean it out to get a people ready to receive him. That's why he's telling us some of us these things. And I say again, if you want to get word like that from him, you're going to have to pay a certain price. Put down your phone some. Turn off the TV some. Do some fasting. I said yes, fasting and prayer. Get close to him, and then he will speak to you. And sometimes it will be like divine shatter, I submit to you. You will know it. He will give you words. 
Yeshua says, my sheep hear my voice. He also said, if I call you friends, which we are, I'll eventually reveal all things to you. We're in that day and age of one. We're in that Psalms 102.18 time frame where we are that generation that he has raised up to turn eventually not only this town, not only this state, not only this nation, but the nation's upside down. We're not called just for individual salvation. That's great. No, we've been called and entrusted with a mission in Jacob's 10 and other congregations around the country that you alluded to, Pastor. I don't know all of them. I only know about River Life. You know, I can't be concerned right now. That's not my calling job with the other congregations. Neither is any of us. But he's going to make those connections. He's already started. Even the leadership Trump, uh, uh, conference, Pastor Mark, if that comes about, that's going to have a way of connecting people from around the country. He knows how to connect the dots. We don't. We just, here again, we come to this trust issue. Trust, trust, trust. As Bill, I heard Bill, too, say that extra 55 acres, he didn't know that until, you know, it happened. You know what I'm saying? He had to trust the process, him and Beth, and that congregation, Jacob's tent. You know, applying off Psalms 102.18, that we are that generation that's been raised up to praise him, to undo a lot of wrong. Those of you, those of you who were with us at the study, last Bible study, that um, they asked me to lead. It's past time. It's past time to start to get things right. It's past time to start to get all doctrines as correct as we can get them. Because he doesn't want to take a people, a group of individuals, he doesn't want to take a ministry outside these doors that's going to carry any kind of a, a lie, a misrepresentation of who he is. This is everything, has everything to do about who he is and what's in this precious word from Genesis to Revelation. As Bill Clow said in 2003 at Restore Conference, all of this word is Torah. From Genesis to Revelation, Moses' first five books is the foundation of it. But anything that's in that Brit Hanashar New Testament is founded on those first five books. As Bill said also, there's more prophecy in Genesis than the rest of the books put together. It's the seedbed of it. The seedbed. Oh, how I've come to understand, as I've said before, how important that seed principle is. Brad and Bill understood it years ago. I simply tapped in once I, you know, started reading their material. Yeah, the seed principle. There's been a seed planted in each of us. There's been a seed planted in this congregation. There's been a seed planted in this town of Loosedale, the city of light. You know, there again, he shows the weak things to confound the mighty and the, the wise. Loosedale, Mississippi. Well, can anything good come out of the slum town of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Bethlehem? Well, it did. Guess what? Pull the seatbelt around your spiritual seatbelt and fasten yourself to you see what is going to happen eventually. When I say words like this, I am fine to let time verify what I'm saying, whether I'm right or wrong. Okay? I'm fine with that. I'm also fine as I, Tammy, some of you remember the last study that I led. I'm speaking on a very divisive issue with many controversial issue, heaven and hell, and all that. I'm fine if you vent on me at times. 
I'm never going to ask you to check your brain at the door. I'm not. I'm not asking that of you. We have to be Bereans and check up behind our leaders, our speakers, each other, in the right way, in the right way. As Paul says, as much as we can with gentleness and love, okay? <laughs> but I'm not asking you to check your brain at the door. If you don't agree with something I'm saying, I don't have a problem with that. You know, I don't. I've had people bent on me, especially when I was pastor years ago. Sometimes we have to be allowed to vent. And we have to be able to disagree in the proper way without causing plastic division. You know, we should recognize the difference. But we need to allow for these differences in love and patience and humility. Because there are differences. Isn't it a shame? I'm waiting in something I'm just going to touch. Isn't it a shame what the critical race theory, what's going on in this country, pitting, pitting, just say it like it is, pitting what Dr. King fought so hard against, pitting skin color against skin color, and even class divisions. You know, that's going to start to get cleaned up. Because as I said at the feast, he is raising up voices to stir the waters. When Yeshua, and I'm not going to plagiarize, when Yeshua looked at his disciples in one of the last episodes of that series, he says, sometimes you've just got to stir the waters. Yeshua stirred the waters. And boy, the religious leaders did not like it. Boy, they didn't like it. We're going to have to stir the waters. We've been asked to stir the waters with our words, with our mission, with our fruit, we've been asked to stir the waters. And our flesh may not like that down the road because there's going to be some things happening down the road. None of us right now know what we may be asked to do tomorrow. I've told this before, and I'm going to tell it again. My dear youngest brother, Rudy Bean, has had to sit for decades or decades under all three of his brothers as pastors. I half ruined him years ago when he was under me with me. Then my oldest brother got a hold of him. He came out a little bit more damaged than this when Rick got through with him. I'm in some fun here. I'm in some fun here. No, Rick's a good, wise pastor, my brother. Then he got a hold of my twin brother. That was the worst of all. <laughs> but you know something? I found out something yesterday that I didn't know. When I say that any given day, we don't know what the Father may ask us to do, and it doesn't matter how old you are or if you've got health issues. My youngest brother has dealt with severe health issues all his life. He's a stirring example of faith under pressure. By the way, adversity introduces us to ourselves, everyone. Think about that concept. The Father allows adversity into our lives to find out what we're made out of. Yes. As the actor John Voigt said, remember, he says, why, why, Father, does everything have to be so hard? Because that's the way I made it, my sons, what he heard back. You're right, Sister Tam, you've quoted that before. Why does it seem everything has to be so hard? Well, we do get some cool and long periods, and that's good. And, you know, we, we get those times, too. But you know what I'm basically saying? But there was my youngest brother, Rudy. He's 66 years old, riddled, and has been for decades. He's lived with tremendous health issues from MS to whatever. He shouldn't have lived this long. He shouldn't have been 66. He shouldn't have turned 66 this past week. 
a younger brother I'm very fond of. I found out yesterday, despite all those incapacities health-wise and, and all that he goes through, he was asked to sing first time in his life. He was asked to sing at a funeral, okay? So when I get to talk to Brother Rudy, I, we're going to have a pretty good conversation. You're never too old. You can't get away with health issues sometimes. William Wilberforce struggled for decades in England to do away with slavery in the British Isles and to reform England, okay? And he had bad health all those decades. He pushed and he pushed and he pushed. Wilberforce did, if you know that story, despite his bad health. Branch Rickey, when Branch Rickey looked at those guys with him in the office that day, back in like 1945, 1946, he says, I've got a plan. If you've seen that movie, 42, Jackie Robinson, the first black player to play in professional baseball, Branch Rickey, who was the manager and owner, basically, of the Los Angeles Dodgers, he says, i got a plan. He said, I'm going to bring, as he said at that time, a Negro or black ball player to the Brooklyn Dodgers. They thought he was crazy. And he said something. He was 65 years old, I believe, at that time. He says, my wife says, I'm too old. My wife says, I don't have the health. But he says, I'm going to do it. He knew there's a deeper spiritual story behind this. Branch Rickey knew the father was behind this. He had prayed about it and prayed about it. He had gotten face time with the father. And he knew the father was telling him, it's time, it's time to break this thing open. No different Dr. King. I said, Dr. King changed a nation with his voice and what he did. The father was behind that. And don't come running up to me some of you later, please, saying this respectfully. Okay, don't, but don't come up and say, well, don't you know what Dr. King, Dr. King did here, what he did there? I have pretty much studied extensively the life of Dr. Martin Luther King, okay? I know, his, I know his crud. I know the scum that was in his life. That's not the point. He was used very powerfully anyway. Jackie Robinson was used very powerfully in Branch Rickey to turn the heart of this nation. It was time a people were crying out, were being mistreated, it's time to make things right, and they did. A little side story there, but the point I brought up, the reason I brought up Branch Rickey is because his age and his health wasn't good, and he was older. But the father used him, used him prayerfully. You're not too old. Maybe you've got some health issues, but guess what? If a father comes to you tomorrow and asks something of you, depending on what it is, He's going to empower you. Remember, when you finish up in 1 Corinthians 1, 26, he calls the, and chooses the foolish things. He says, but you will realize that it is I who you should boast in. It is I you should glory in. Okay, not us, not our flesh, not our, what we think might be our contributions. In a relay race, in a relay race, those of you who have studied you know, four by forties, I mean four by hundreds, four by two hundreds, whatever. You generally have the four runners, you got the four laps, whatever. Generally speaking, the um, strongest runner, the fastest runner, generally speaking, is put on the last lap. Why? Because if that first runner or two or that third runner, if he loses some time or he makes a mess up, it's up to that last lap runner. We call it the gun lap. It's what I call it, the gun lap. It's up to that last runner on a relay team to regain what is lost or what has been lost. Follow with me on this. That's designed to pick back up and regain that which has been lost. Maybe it's a second or two. And we've seen these relay races where maybe that last runner, 
He's like two seconds behind maybe the other person or the other field, and he blows them away on that gun lap. That's what we have been called for and to everyone. We're on the gun lap. We're on that Psalms 102.18 word, the last generation to lift him up, to praise him, to worship him, and to make all things new and to restore all things, Acts 3, to restore all things. That's where we are. We are that gun lap generation, everyone. You need to understand that we are that gun lap generation. And we don't have tomorrow. Pastor Mark, I heard you say it at Cleveland, Bill, and you said it again today. We don't have time to waste anymore. Am I trying to instill? No, no, I'm not. Is he trying through my voice to instill a sense of urgency in us individually and collectively? And those of you who are watching online, yes, he is. He's trying to install a sense of urgency in each of us because of where we're at. Any given day now, we're going to get up and some pretty horrible things are going to be happening. Okay? That's prophetic. But you know how I can say that? These prophets saw a miracle way ahead of time. They saw Judah over there way ahead of time. There are specific prophecies in here that I could take you to in a lecture that would take hours and hours. They're in here. You just got to know where to go and look and how to decode it. Brother Mark, when you came to me in June, Mark Morgan, when you came to me back there last year in June of 2020, and you told me, you said, you have been called to reveal those things which are concealed. There are things in this book yet that we need to understand better. I think we all will agree to that. I don't know it all. You don't know it all. At all. None of us knows it all. There are things still in this book, especially prophecy, to be decoded. But it will take the Ruach, the Holy Spirit, to do it. And he will choose the vessels that he wants to do that. we got some strong prophetic spirits in this congregation as far as that goes. Some strong prophetic spirits in this congregation that I know I've leaned into. As I start to put some finishing touches on this, there's also another scene from The Chosen that's so moving and gripping that I know when Sunrise was watching that night, it just, oh, when I... When I saw this scene, I heard the words, the exchange between Yeshua and Nicodemus. Boy, you don't forget words like that, even though it's on a film or a movie or whatever. He has had a talk with Nicodemus, that being Yeshua. And he has asked Nicodemus to follow him. Come follow me. Nicodemus makes the decision not to follow Yeshua in the scene of the chosen. Because he puts other things first. He puts his popularity. He puts his prestige with other religious leaders. Money, whatever. He doesn't choose to follow Yeshua. And that scene shows, there's a moving scene there for those of you who have watched it. Yeshua is standing there and Nicodemus is behind a wall over there. He has left some money for the disciples to use on their travels. But he basically says, no, Yeshua, I just can't follow you at this time like you want me to. And it shows Yeshua standing there. And he knows Nicodemus is behind that wall. And he says, you came so close. Man. And Nicodemus is bawling his eyes out behind that wall. You came so close. Do you want, do I want, do we really want those words of Yeshua to echo in our ears? You came so close. You came so close. 
but you weren't willing to go all the way with me. And by the way, I'm applying that first of all and more to me as I speak those words before I let them register with you. You came so close. I don't want to hear, Terry, my son, you came so close to follow me all the way to doing everything I asked you to do, yet you didn't come all the way. I love what you said recently, Pastor Mark, up here. If you have to strike that ground three times or four times, you keep striking the ground, but don't come up short. Pastor Mark, don't come up short in your work, your mission, any of us, me, any of us, all of us can say that. Don't come up short. Don't come up short. But he said, you came so close. Now I'm going to really personalize this as I end up. For a reason, I didn't want to come up here today. I did not want to come up here today in any way make this about me. I've told you I'm past that. I want to be past that, my heart. But sometimes we have to use some personal references like Jeremiah did. There's a, there's a reason for it, a need for it, and it's, uh, it's correct to do so because of some dynamics that are going on, you know. Jeremiah, I hope you don't mind me calling you out here. He had a, a out front prominent position as song leader. He shared very openly and honestly with us his heart and what's going on. And thank you, Jeremiah. There's no shame in that. No shame in that. No shame. There was a man who looked at me in my home in September of 06. He told me he was a prophet. And I believe he was. I certainly believe at that time he was operating in that function. Because he read my mail in more ways than one. He looked at me on my couch in September of 06. He says, Terry, what he's called you to do, you're going to do it. But he says, right now, you're not beat up enough. Jeremiah, sometimes we're not beat up enough. There's still some crud and stuff in us. I'm getting very personal here for a reason. As I close out this message, I feel I need to. But he looked at me. He said, you know, if this is, this is about the Father and Yeshua, what they've asked me to do. And it started years ago, and what they've asked some of you to do. He said, you're not beat up enough. And I knew when I heard those words at the time. I told him, in fact, I verbalized it back to him. I said, you're right. I said, I know you're right. I wasn't pruned enough. I wasn't ready. In other words, I wasn't ready. Leo, you looked at me two weeks ago, and you said, are you ready? Remember, I'm calling you out. Lisa, I have not forgot the word you came to me more than once in 2008 and gave me. Miss Jean, not forget what you told me in 2017. You gave me a letter. Mark, Brother Mark, Morgan, I forgot some things you've told me here, okay? Brother Tony, I forgot what you told me. When the last one out at the feast that year in 2011, in the dark that night, we may remember, I know what you told me. I'm calling you out because you called me out, everyone in this congregation. You called me out, so now I'm calling you out. You've come to me, some of you over the years, and you've given me a certain word. And Sister Tammy, you came to my trailer door. I'm being very open, very blunt, and very honest. You came to my trailer door in 2013. This lady came to my door in 2013 at 7 o'clock and gave me an awesome word, but a very sobering word, a very sobering word. In other words, I'm asking certain things of you, my son, and I want you to do it, and it's not going to be easy. Okay, It's not going to be easy. And I have lived with this 24-7 for probably 15, 16 years, as I told Sandra again yesterday. I've lived with this. I carry it with me daily. I carry it with me 24-7, okay? And Leo asked me two weeks ago, are you ready? I'm not ready, but he is, okay? I'm never ready. We can never be ready, but he always is when the time comes. When the time comes for any release of anything, he is always ready. 
He is always ready. So all you that I just mentioned, you've come to me and you've called me out. So I'm calling you out. A person asked me one time years ago, it says, all these people that the Father has sent to you, were they like poor obedient? I said, yes, they are. I trust these people. Sister Tammy, I trust you. You give me a word, I trust you. Leo, I trust you. Miss Jean, I trust you. Liesl, I trust you. Tony, Mark Morgan, I'm missing somebody, I think. But I trust you. I trust you. And Jonathan, we had that great conversation at the feast. You know what we talked about. When he looked at me, the guy did and said, you're not beat up enough. That's the reason that I've taken some years, no different than you, Brother Jeremiah. I know that I've had to let him take some years even and clean me out more. Because you see, I can't, I can't properly represent him in any venue or time, space, with any group, unless he's cleaned me out. Not completely. We can never be perfected in the flesh. I understand that. But we be brought to maturity. All the great men and women of the Bible, they dealt with things. They dealt with things even while they were ministering, okay? But the, even the uh, example of Elijah, Elijah was taken. Elijah was taken to the brook there, remembered sheriff, which means in Hebrew to be beat up, to be beat down. That's what it means. He was taken out of the game, Jeremiah, for a while. I hope you don't mind me keep calling your name because I feel what you're going through. I've lived it. I've waited years to be, I've waited years to make sure, Father, are you telling me it's time for this? I don't want to hurt people. I don't want your message to be defined. I don't want anything I say or do to bring reproach to you, okay? So that's why I'm calling your name out because I understand I can relate to you. I'm encouraging you. You won't be tomorrow what you are today. None of us will be as you seek him you spend face time with him okay but i do know now that a lot of us are ready we're ready we're re we're ready to go forward in a way that we've never been ready to go be forward before because it's time it's time and the signs and the confirmations are coming from many different angles and ways that it is time it is past time This is my last ending segment, and it's on a very personal note. I was pastor for my past. His name was Ron Haynes. He turned to me when I was a young 20, 21-year-old. He turned to me, all the other men, good leaders in my big church that I was in, and said, I want you to coach the basketball team, the youth basketball team, boys ages 13 to 20. I've told this a little bit before. And we went on to win a national championship in 1980. And I thought at the time, why did you choose me? looked around. I saw men more talented, men more experienced. I, I really couldn't figure out. I said, run. Like, why did you choose me? We did. And on that basketball court in 1980, at the last buzzer, we won that game with Long Beach, California by one point. Hard-fought game, and we were national champions. 
We all went on the court like you've seen on TV or whatever. You all just thrung in the court. He was the first one got beside me. He had sent transferred to another place in Kansas. He wasn't my pastor anymore. And his run came up beside me. I turned and I looked at him. I says, thank you. Thank you that you made this possible for me personally even because you believed in me. He looked at me and he says, Terry, I knew you could do it. Yeshua is telling us the same thing. I know you can do it. The glory of the Lord, redeem.